Please turn with me once more to Deuteronomy chapter 29, chapter 29, the chapter we read earlier. And this evening our text is verse number 29, verse number 29 of this chapter from Deuteronomy. Verse 29 reads, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And may the Lord bless his word. Our title for this evening's message is What God Has Given His People. What God has given his people. This morning, we looked at various different reasons for praising our God in heaven. We are a redeemed people. We have been delivered from spiritual Egypt. And we looked at the people of God who'd been delivered from physical, historical Egypt. And they sung a new song, the song of Moses. There was a new song placed in their mouths. They praised God. And we have many reasons to praise our God. And we must see our reasons for praising our God in heaven. Or we will be, as we saw this morning, ungrateful. Or we will be foolish to think we deserve better. See, this is what happens when we forget what we've been given and how undeserving we are of the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. The blessings of having been delivered from cruel bondage in Egypt. We are sinners who really and truly deserve the wrath of God just as much as those around us who experience it. But in the midst of looking at all these reasons for these blessings, we have victory in him. We have power and found mercy in him. He is our strength and our song. And we have the blessings of meeting with him. But in the midst of all this, the great danger that we have is forgetting that God is not a means to an end. The great danger is sometimes even as believers in Jesus Christ, we treat God as if he's just a way to avoid hell. Because we can forget the greatest gift that God has given us is himself. He has revealed himself. Our only hope both in life and death is God. Our greatest reward, both in this world and in the world to come, is God. It's not just merely that we won't go to that nasty place, hell. It's far, far more than that. God is the great reward. God has revealed himself. God is the greatest, most wonderful gift. The one who satisfies us. 
He is supreme joy and peace. That is why he's wonderful to be in his presence. He is joy. He is peace. He is a place of life and liberty. And he is the only one we will be satisfied in. We can't be satisfied by this world. We haven't been made to be satisfied in this world. This world isn't enough to be satisfied with. We have been made in the image of God. And so we will only find satisfaction truly in him. You see, God is everything. Our chief end, the reason we have been made, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Question one of the shorter catechism. To enjoy him forever. To glorify him Such thinking is frankly foreign to modern day evangelicalism. The God of modern day preaching, oh, sadly, this is very sad to say this, is a God who's there to serve us and get us over the bumps in life. God does help us, but it's far more than that. Far, far more than that. We can have the right doctrine. And we can tick the right boxes at times. We can believe the right things about God. But then we can lack a holy obsession with the one we're going to spend eternity with. See, we can read all the books we like. But until our focus is upon God and Him alone. So let us look here this evening, dear friends, as we look at this verse in verse 29, and meditate upon it, that we may see how special God is, how much of a treasure he is. And see, dear friends, without him, we have really nothing. Verse number one, or, or point number one, God has decreed. God has decreed. And a decree is something that a king would command. And the difference is with God, everything he decrees comes to pass infallibly. Every single thing. In verse number 29, just the first part of verse number 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. The secret things. Now, there's a knowledge that only God has. There's a knowledge which God alone has. There are things that God alone knows, the things that we do not know. There's things he's decreed before the foundation of the world. In chapter number 29, this chapter we read earlier, it's filled with warnings for the people of God. Warnings for what will happen if they turn away from him. With all the things they have seen, with all the things that they've been provided with, what would happen if they turn away from him? Not just a means, not just a method, but him. And they're also told as well here 
that they don't know everything. But they're told everything we need to know, aren't we? Everything we need to know is revealed in creation and in the scriptures. Everything we need to know. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And verse number 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Or put it another way, that the man of God may be complete, furnished unto all good works. Everything we need, we have in the scriptures. So this keeping secret that is spoken about here, it's not keeping back anything that we need. This is not kind of just some, some kind of a, a hatred in keeping secrets. No, this is everything we need has been revealed. And there's a certain sense in which we understand this as parents, don't we? We've had children. There are things your children will understand at five, and there's things your children will understand at 10 and 15. There are things we understand a little bit older in life, that 10 years ago we were clueless to. And there's a certain level of maturity that the Lord will sometimes show us at certain various times. But all that to say is this, we don't have all the facts, do we? We like to act like we have all the facts and all the answers, but you don't. You don't know why various things happen in your life. You may have some of the information, but God knows everything, everything. And he has revealed all that we need to know for life and godliness, to grow in sanctification and to be closer to him. You see, this is something we all struggle with. The idea that we don't have all the answers and we need to trust another person. We always like to think through things for ourselves. and The secret things belong unto the Lord. And that's put there to humble them. To say to the people of God. Follow him. Because you're going to think you know a better way. You're going to think at times. You've thought out a better method. Either of worship. Or to learn from the pagan nations around you. But you have not. See, this is the thing that we can often lack is humility to realize that God knows more than we do and always will, always will. As it says in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not in thine own understanding. Don't trust your heart for many different reasons. But one of the reasons is you don't have all the facts. You don't have all the information. We are limited. And we're depending on a, a being. A pure being. Without beginning, without end. Without shadow of turning. Who 
is good and glorious. The secret things belonging to the Lord, our God. We're never going to completely understand everything. And that's one of the reasons we will be in awe for eternity, praising Him, because we will still be in awe of Him, marveling at His greatness and His goodness. Sometimes we have no idea. There's times in the scriptures we don't understand maybe why something is there. But we trust God. We trust God. I'll just give an example from my own walk. I was saved about three months. And I remember talking to a Christian. I came from a very fairly liberal belief system before I came to know the Lord. And I didn't understand what was wrong with homosexuality save three months. I went to the scriptures. And then I saw, well, clearly it's wrong. I didn't understand it. But I accepted it. God knew more than I did. Yes, it is, I can see now it's contrary to nature. It's contrary to many things. It's contrary to the scriptures. But it didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. Evolution. Came from a science background. Sometimes we may think, well, all those smart guys in college are saying the, the earth is billions of years old or whatever the thing may be. God knows more than they do. Very simple. Do you have all the facts? Were you there at the beginning of the creation of the world? I'm not saying that science isn't important or we shouldn't Pursue that if that's where God has given you gifting. But as we learn about nature, as we learn about the work of God all around us, He knows more about what He made than us puny, small creatures seeking to grasp at some information about it. God knows more than you or I. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. And God has decreed everything that will happen. That has happened. The time when your car broke down. The time when you failed an exam. All these things decreed by God. Everything. And it is a good, righteous and holy reason. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own family. And Joseph saw that it was to save much people alive. He saw the good, holy, and righteous reason for what had been decreed by God. We've been told certain things. Yes, absolutely. We have been told certain things that will surely come to pass. Jesus will return. Jesus will bring in a a new reign of new heavens and a new earth. But he won't tell you. And we haven't been told, have we, when we will die. None of us know. Whether we're young or old, we would like to think we know sometimes, but we don't know. None of us have been guaranteed another day in this world. It's not important to trust in Jesus Christ this very moment. You've not not been guaranteed to be able to make it home. 
God is in control. He is decreed from everything. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. It belongs to God. It belongs to God. Do you trust God to do the right things? Now, these things I speak of are difficult. We can go through great trial and difficulty. And when you're in the midst of these trials and difficulty, you may struggle. You may wonder, why is this happening? You can't make head nor tails of why this thing is happening at that moment of your life. But we have to say at times, I don't know. I don't have all the facts, but I trust God. I'm not saying that you won't be in agony at times, in anguish. Read the Psalms. There will be moments like that. But the secret things belong unto, unto the Lord. He will reveal certain things. We can be anxious about tomorrow. We can be anxious about what God has not told us. The secret things. But there's a good reason he hasn't told us. Who's a better guide? You or the Lord? The greatest guide is his word. His law. It is a light unto our path. And without that light, our path is Darkness. We need him to tell us how to go forward and how to follow him. So number one, God has decreed. Number two now, God has declared. God has declared. Second part of verse number 29. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children Forever, But those things which are revealed. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why do we know anything about God? Why do we know anything about God? We may not think about this. But God is infinite. Eternal. No beginning and no end. We are finite creatures of the dust. We're not even in the same category. How do we know anything about him? How can we learn about him? He has revealed it to us. In language that we creatures, small creatures, can understand. He has revealed himself. He has revealed himself as the creator in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. And showeth forth his handiwork. Psalm 19 verse 1. But it's a wonderful thing. That the Lord has chosen to reveal himself to us. That is a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing to be thankful for. He has revealed himself. He's shown himself. Freely and graciously. If we look at Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 at the end of this chapter. Verses 25 to 27. Just the first or the last few verses of Paul's letter to the Romans. Verses 25 to 27. Now to him. That is of power to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation. 
of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. But these things that have been revealed, Paul gives glory to God for the things that have been revealed. This mystery that has been kept secret now has been shown to us. Where? In the scriptures. In the scriptures. God has declared. Not everything is in the scriptures. But what we need is in the scriptures. There's a doctrine known as the sufficiency of scripture. Often people will have questions, all these various questions, and they say, well, there's no answer to what did Paul do at the end of his life, or what did Jesus do for the first, between when he was born and up until the age of 12. Why are we not told these things? It wouldn't help us. It wouldn't help us. It's not necessary for life and godliness. Everything we need is revealed in the scriptures. There's also things revealed in nature as well. This scripture, this truth that has been given to us is the measure by which we test all things. If you hear a claim and the scripture says something different, that claim is a lie or a deception. This is the test. This is the measurement. If any of you work in building, you have a measuring stick. And if it doesn't measure up, it's rejected. Else the building's going to be all wrong. Or it doesn't balance out. This is the test by which we test all other things. This is the great truth. Sola Scriptura that the Reformation revived. God is not the author of confusion. He has revealed things for us, his people. It says in our text, but those things which are revealed belong. There's a difference. One of the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But that those things that are revealed belong unto us and our children. Those things that are revealed. Who is the, who is the us? Believers. In Jesus Christ, those who follow God, those who have been redeemed, those who have been brought out of Egypt. At this point, Moses is speaking to them. Right before they cross over the Jordan River. They're about to enter into the land of promise, the land of milk and honey. And those things that have been revealed up until that point belong unto them and to their children. They don't know everything. But they know what they need to know. They've been shown what they need to understand. They've been revealed things and shown things for life and godliness. Because our God is incomprehensible. 
And we often forget that. We compare him to things in this world. Our God is incomprehensible. He cannot be measured. He ca- we cannot wrap our minds around God. It's not that we can't know God. We can apprehend him. We can trust in him. We can know things about him. But we cannot reduce him to the categories and thinking of a mere creature. See, once we have a God, we can understand and comprehend. That's what the world wants. Sometimes you'll hear these pop songs from years ago talking about God, and they'll speak about him like he's a creature. That's an idol. Even our confession of faith, you'll see it in some parts. It says he's most loving, most wise. Or infinitely loving, infinitely wise. We even struggle to have the language to speak about him. Because he's infinite, eternal. There's nothing in this world like God. And he has revealed himself to us. The nature, as I said, nature reveals that God is good, he's just, he's true. As one preacher put it, there's enough information in nature to condemn us, just not to save us. The scriptures reveal the gospel. The Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you must trust in to have salvation and to be brought home to this heavenly Canaan, a land of abundance, a place of perfect peace. God has declared Himself. Number three, now God has delivered. God has delivered. And these things, as we have said, belong unto us and unto our children, who are the us, those people who left behind Egypt. We turn to Romans chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. What advantage then hath the Jew? And what profit is there of circumcision? And especially verse 2 here. Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. The truth of God, the scriptures. Unto the people of God in the Old Testament, the scriptures have been given. Belongs unto us and unto our children. Now it's not to say that every single person that had been brought through the Red Sea. That had wandered for 40 years. Believed. We actually know that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And they died wandering outside the land. But the things revealed belong by faith unto the people of God. Why can we see? Why can the people of God see these things? These things revealed that belong unto us. As we saw this morning. Because of the mercy of God. Because of the grace of God. He took pity on us. He saw you a sinner. If you believe this evening. He took you out of the miry clay 
and set your feet upon a rock. He rescued you. It wasn't because you sought him out. He took pity upon you. And then when you had eyes to see, you beheld him. And you fled from your sin. By faith and by faith alone. How do you know if this has happened to you? Do you love God? Well, how do I know if I love God? Do you love his voice? There's something that people, when they've lost a dear loved one, will miss the voice of that person coming through the house. The voice of that person. If we love a person, we love their voice. Where's the voice of God? The scriptures. There's many people who think that they're hearing voices from God, but have no interest in the scriptures. They're hearing other voices, friend. Are you listening to this voice? Do you love what he says to you? Yes, we fall short. Yes, we fail at times. But if you love the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures, he has done a work in you. Because it's until that happens, these things don't really belong to you. There's a veil, a blindness over your eyes. And that's all of us by nature. God has given you the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 26, that he would send another comforter. John 14 and 26. says this, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He will teach you all things. He'll teach you the scriptures. He'll teach you to see these things. The reality of liberty in James 1.25, it calls the law of God the perfect law of liberty. See, for, for too long we have treated the law of God as something separate to the love of God. To love the Lord is to follow his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. They're not at odds with each other. We may think of the Pharisees. That is not law-keeping. That is not from the heart. That is an external performance for men to think that they are religious. And yes, men will be impressed by such things, but God will not be. To love and keep the law of God. And it says, it belongs unto us believers and our children. And our children. See, God, throughout the scriptures, if you see this, he's a covenant-keeping God. And he promises to be a God unto you and unto your children. I think this is something we've largely lost in much of the church of the West. We've become so individualistic. When we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, 
especially as heads of homes and things like that. The family comes into the covenant of God. You might think, well, maybe it's different in the New Testament. Is that just the Old Testament? Peter says in Acts 2.39, the promise belongs unto you and unto your children. Also in 1 Corinthians 7.14. 1 Corinthians 7.14 says this. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husbands. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Now, this does not mean that all children of believers are born again and will necessarily continue on in faith in the covenant. It doesn't mean that. But in the covenant, they're part of the covenant. Some may depart through unbelief. You can see this actually just talked about in Romans chapter 11. Some of these Jews, they were in the olive tree and they left through unbelief, through hardness of heart. But look at the blessing for the Christian family. He promises not just to be a God unto you, but and, and unto your children. To raise your children in this most holy faith. A wonderful blessing. To have God lead your family. Sometimes we will worry about the future. What will happen to my children? What will happen in the future? Perhaps some of your children have left home. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. And perhaps your children are out in the world. And perhaps they don't know the Lord. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. You don't know if those lessons you taught them for so many years will bear fruit in the future. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I have heard of many people who've come to faith after leaving their home. People who've been saturated with the scriptures, but their, their heart was never tender. But they, they, they did later. And the Lord's gone on to use such people mightily. Don't lose hope. If that, if that person is still around, keep praying for that person. Keep praying for that son or daughter. Keep praying for that grandson, granddaughter. Keep praying for the nieces and nephews, whoever it may be. Don't lose hope. But there is a wonderful blessing here. To have God lead your family. It belongs to your family. And that's a wonderful thing to come to have God lead you, especially when it comes to family worship. Our final point is God has demanded. God has demanded. So we've looked at God as decreed, declared, delivered. And finally, God has demanded. God has given us himself, himself, the greatest reward, the greatest joy both in this world and in the world to come. Nothing comes close. The Father has given the Son. He's given us his own Son. Will he not freely give us all things? Romans 8, 32. So when we think about what God has given us, how much service does he look for in return? And you may say, well, we're saved by grace, so it doesn't matter. That shouldn't be your attitude, friends. It should not be your attitudes. 
It says, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Some of the words of this law, the parts we like, or all of it. All of it. In the Bible, we have the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. Commandments. They are, they are blessings for us to follow. The Sabbath day, for example, the fourth commandment, it is so mocked and maligned in the modern church. Sadly so. But it is such a wonderful blessing to our soul. Oh yes, it's wonderful if you do it. It's such a blessing to you. It's both a command from God and a blessing to keep. To labor the other six days as well is also a blessing. And I'm sure those people, if you work hard, you feel much better, don't you? After a hard day's work than if you feel like you've been wasteful. We've been made that way. Work is not a bad thing. Now, work is a difficult thing since the fall. But we've been made in the image of God. What does he demand from us? What has been revealed to us? Friends, the Bible is not just there so we can fill our minds with information. So that maybe the next time there's a quiz on that we'll have all the answers. Or that we're going to impress people with our knowledge of the Bible. It's not that. So many people. I have met people that have wowed me with their knowledge of the scriptures. But have devastated me. By their conduct. And there are men who could bury me with information. But it's all in the head. And it has never penetrated to the heart. And it has certainly not gone to their hands. If our religion is all head, it will condemn us. And it must be said, every branch of the church has its failings, doesn't it? I think one of the places, and I love my Presbyterian brothers and sisters. There's lots of many wonderful people, but I think that's one of the areas we struggle with. We fill our minds so much. Good information. Westminster Confession of Faith, praise God. Learn it. Teach the catechisms. Excellent. But what about our hearts? When was the last time we wept over the, the sin of the nation? There's a whole generation of people who have left the church. And if anyone's saved, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. But they're all on the way to hell. And that is heartbreaking. And there's other things I could say to you that are heartbreaking about today. We must not just have full brains but empty hearts. And we must not either have empty heads and tender hearts either. We must have both. The Puritans would talk about head, heart, and hands. Because that we may do all the words of this law. It's been given to us that it would fill and occupy our minds. 
It's a dangerous thing to leave your brain at the door. That's, that's a foolish thing. But you bring it and you learn these things and you love these truths. It's not just enough that we learn these truths, but we love them. Because if we don't love them, we're not going to keep to them. And we're certainly not going to do them. We fall short, all of us. But do family and friends see a genuine effort in your part that when you see something in the scriptures, you are trying, by the grace of God, to put it into practice. You see something in the Bible. Or do you avoid it? It's a dangerous place to be. And I'm not saying I haven't done it myself. But it will add blindness to your walk. And it's a scary thing. You can be genuinely saved. But yet have partial blindness in areas in your walk. If God has shown you something. Grasp it. Love it. Cherish it. Apply it to your lives. And I tell you friend you will not regret it. There is a joy that comes. I won't say suffering won't come in this world. It will. But God has demanded everything from you. And I'm sure there may be some part in your walk that you know that you haven't let go of. Be rid of it. Because it is simply dust and ashes. It will not last and endure like the righteousness of the new heavens and the new earth. Give him everything. Everything. And the only thing you will regret is that you didn't do it earlier. The Heidelberg Catechism says, what is your only comfort in life and death? It says at the beginning of this answer that I am not my own. But belong with body and soul, both in life and in death. I think it's the first part we struggle with. In life, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. God has given us himself. What are you holding back, friend? The Lord knows the secret things. He hasn't told us everything, and we don't need to know everything. He knows everything. Do we trust him? Has he revealed enough to us to say, I trust him? I trust him not just in this world, but in the world to come. Now, we may trust him for the world to come, but do we trust him in this world? Do we trust him when we have the fear of man in our jobs? You know, those, those moments where you're, what, what will people say if I say this in, in your mind? Trust him. He will give you the strength and the boldness at times that will surprise you. Those moments when you're sharing the gospel with somebody you've been talking to for ages and your heart's pumping out through your chest and you're wondering, will I say it now? Friend, take those moments. Serve him. God will give you the grace in this world and in the world to come. And you'll see more of his beauty. You'll see more of him. This is the wonderful thing about serving God. It's not that our service is ever going to be good enough. It never will be. 
But we get more of Christ in this world. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And when we leave this world, we will enjoy him forever and ever. In 10,000 years time, in 10 million years time, that is what we're talking about. We're not talking about trivial things. We're talking about eternity. And you'll only be here for a short time. The, The older people among us will know better than most of us. This life is but a vapor. Oh, it's a vapor. And young people, it's a vapor. It's such a short life. Give him everything. Hold nothing back. Give him everything. It all belongs to him. Anyway. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God. Let us pray.